Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. So good to be with you today. What a great show. Have Oh, good one. We got a great show for you today. Really excited. I am very about excited. <laughs> you know, I I'm gonna I'm gonna admit something on the air. Please do. I will now admit something on the air. Okay, we're ready. Here goes the admission. We have got a great team. Oh. I mean, I just looked at you and it was almost like we were married. You and <laughs> no, I no, no, have no, no, created no. this incredible team. Because you're like, oh. This, so, this just got awkward. Is awkward. That weird? <laughs> I'm so sorry, Mrs. Wait, wait. Townsend. No, but that was weird because I looked over and you you just like, you were acting like you were the mother and you were so proud of well, your family. Well, I'm the only girl. I'm like the mama of this little group. But that doesn't mean you're the dad. You're like the three-year-old kid. I'm hmm. also your mother. Wow. That did just get weird. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that you was. were going to retire from radio. I thought that you were going to say, I'm this my last I'm day. I am done. Got my footwork done. No, I am going to go was, relax on the beach. I was just announcing that we've we've been putting together some seriously, you know, talented high-end radio. Classy radio. Nah, I wouldn't go with classy. <laughs> but um, because tomorrow, just so you know, you and listener land, the Duggars. The Duggars. They're 19 kids and counting. Tomorrow, the Duggars are going to be on the show. Uh, Jim Bob and Michelle and three of their cute little bundle. Three of their 19 will be joining us. It's a, it's, it's a great show. I'm just telling you. Today, we are going to be taking on, uh, you know, what I would expect the Duggars are experiencing with 19 children or eventually will go through teen issues. Sometimes when you have a child, they grow up and they turn into teenagers. Then the teenagers have problems and then they come to you. Today, even today, I had two teenagers. The parents came to see me about one because they don't know how to help their teenager who just likes to play video games. That's all the kid likes to do. Isn't that what you like to do? No, I hate video games, except there is one video game that I love to play, which is Deer Hunter 2014. Oh, there it is right there. There it is. And I haven't, but I haven't played it in a long time because I, you know, once you've hunted everything <laughs> and you've pretty much taken everything, you know. You have the best sniper rifle on the, you have everything maxed out? I have out? everything maxed out. Whoa. Uh-huh. That is impressive. It's not even a competition anymore. It's just yeah. me being just vicious to animals. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so I kind of got bored with it. So I've actually got another game, but I'm not telling anybody what it is because you'll laugh at me. So I'm not oh. going to talk about it, but it isn't, it, it is not Deer Hunter 2014. Oh, we still get a bell. Um, <laughs> but here's the deal on the show today, teens. So parents come, how do I deal with my kid? He's kind of antisocial. He's afraid to like do certain things. He loves to come home and just play video games. Mm-hmm. And that's scaring these parents. Yeah, obviously. But, but it could be worse, right? It could be. He could be doing drugs. Yeah. Which, you know, that's another problem others are having. And then I have, uh, I have another parent that sent their child to me today. Who, their child's in college now. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give any details, but they're a superstar. 
they're an athlete in a, on a college campus and mm-hmm. they're a superstar and they're failing school and will probably lose a scholarship if they don't Get find their life. Yeah. So again, now that's, I mean, I guess that's a good problem to have because some people, their kids aren't even reading <laughs> <laughs> and they should be. So on the show today, we're going to be joined by an expert, a marriage uh, uh, he's an LMFT, licensed marriage family therapist, who works with some of today's youth, some of the troubled youth in a, in a youth program that's designed to help kids find themselves and figure out, you know, who they are. So we're going to be talking about that all day today. We got Coach Kim Giles on the line with us as, as well. She'll be with us later. Again, she's going to coach us. I'm sure it's going to somehow center around fear and love. Because yeah, that's her forte. That's what she's good at. And Maddie Richards, who uh, for a minute there was playing the first lady of the show. I am the first lady of the You're show. You're pretty much the only lady of the show. Exactly. Except for when Mike gets pouty. <laughs> Is Mike still back there? Oh, he, he oh, walked out. Mike I could hear that. Oh, you got to say that again, Matt, when he comes mad. back. I will. I'll try to remember that. <laughs> I'm, getting my, I'm getting my... Uh, my you uh, had to go to the ladies' room. Okay. <laughs> but uh, so, Maddie, you've been... Um, you let, Let's just go through this really quickly. You... Are a college student. I am. You're probably still the youngest member of the team. I th- yeah, I think so. Uh, bravely, she won't state her age, but I will. She's 16. That is so ridiculous. I'm 20. <laughs> You're 20. You always get mad when I tease you about that. What was that? That's why we're doing the show. That's here. why we're doing the show because oh. a teenager on the show. No. And we're no. trying to figure out how to influence you more effectively. No. I'm here to give you advice. Uh. Uh, that's what I want to hear because you, 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 know, you went through high school three years ago. Two years ago, you graduated. Yeah, 2012. Oh, my gosh. Oh, gee. This is <sighs> going to get to be an age thing. No. No, it's not. It's just I, I started my plantar fasciitis in <laughs> 2012, <laughs> and I finally stuck a needle in it yesterday. You're, so you're dealing getting with it. old. It's okay. It took two years to deal with it, but that, in those two years, you, were, you got to college. I got to college. Oh, so Mike's back. Oh, good. Mike's back. Hey, good to have Mike back. Um, here's the deal. What I want you to tell me, though, is if you could do it all over again, what uh-huh. do you wish you had known? See, so here you're a lovely 20-year-old. Thank you. Uh, and somehow in, in the past, somebody on the show in, you know, insinuated that you're a mother, but you're not. You're single. You're a wonderful 20-year-old, single, vibrant life. Oh, that's so nice of you. What do you wish you had known? Because this so, is so important for moms and dads to know out there. This is what a daughter needs to know. So here's the thing. As we were talking about this, I'm the only girl on the team. Yeah. We needed to focus what I wish I could tell the teenage girl of five, six years ago. Okay. And so this is you walking back. Yeah. If we could put you in a time machine, this is what you'd tell yourself. So I would tell myself to stop trying to be perfect. Yes. Which is something that every single teenage girl yeah. and every single parent of a teenage girl understands that you're trying so hard to be perfect. To be perfect. You're putting so much pressure, and it's not worth it. It's you, too hard. It's not. And it's it's, not it's impossible. It's impossible. Even when you're at your level of perfect, whatever your level would be, because we would think perfect would be like the universal standard. Uh-huh. But there's going to then be another girl that's just even more perfect. Yeah. So stop worrying about it. Stop mm-hmm. comparing yourself. Average. Be not be adequate. Average. Be your best self. Yeah. And that's not going to be perfect, and that's great. That's. But I, I think that's the universal issue to young women. Mm-hmm. They want to be perfect. And so I think a parent saying, honey, just be you. They don't listen. No, they don't. This is why you have to come back later in life like you're showing us. Yeah. And the best thing to do, I think, when your teenager isn't listening to you doing that, and they're going to not listen to yeah. that oh, sometimes, yeah. Yeah. but is to just 
tell them, okay, these are the things that you are doing great at. Yeah. Let's focus on those Focus on the good. Focus on the things that we're doing really, really well. And focus on giving them the praise for who they are. Yes. Not for their accomplishments. I like that. that, That's like one of my favorite things. Another thing you can do if they're not listening, I play dead sometimes. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. I'll just drop to the floor dead. And then they'll kind of look at me like, Dad... And That's I pretend like idea. I'm dead. That's not a good idea. And then they usually get a little startled and they're like, dad. <laughs> and I still pretend dead. I... And then I'm like, and then they, when they start to cry, I'm like, I'm kidding. This is bad. But then I say, but that's why you need to listen to me. Cause if I drop dead, it makes you sad. Okay, all right. By the way, that only works once. <laughs> and then after that, if you're really dead, they're not going to yeah. care. That is another thing you can do. What are some other things the teens? So some other things I want, um, I wish I could tell myself, is that the boys are not worth it. Huh. Sorry, boys. But when you're in that That's so true. Teenage, As a father, yeah. Yeah, not. when you're a teenager, yeah. the only thing you care about is grades. the boys. I know, but see, it's, the boys. it's really the grades that matter. It's the grades that matter, Not but really. it's also being Honestly. a good person. That's it. Being a good person is what matters. Yep. And so I just feel like all of these teenage girls are trying so hard to be what somebody else wants instead of being who they yeah. want to be. Yeah. So if you focus on being like – if you like yourself, it doesn't matter who likes you or doesn't like you because you're going to be happy. I love it. That's right. great advice. I know, right? So I'm, I'm, let me make sure I get this. The boys do not matter. They do not matter. Okay, that's good. Um, be nicer to your mom. Yes. That is something that universally teenage girls struggle with. You have this thing with your mom. Do you know and why? it's hard. Okay, but do you know why? It's because you feel like your mom doesn't understand you and your mom doesn't want you to make the same mistakes she made. So it's this universal. You're in competition with your mom. If you go get the book called The Female Brain – by Luann Brizendine. If you are a girl, know a girl, or think you'll ever meet a woman, go get the book, The Female Brain. So not for Mike. By Luann Brizendine. Mike's met a million. <laughs> um, but here's the deal. We want – the women are in competition. I believe. No, so mother-daughter are in competition. Not like it's Freudian kind of a thing. But no. your body is – you are in competition for your your father's attention. So there's a weird kind of thing going and on. And even, even past your father's attention, you want to be – Better than your mom. You want to be was. the alpha female. You want to um, make your mom proud. Yeah. In a way, and yeah. so you want to do everything that she expects, but better than she expects yes. it. And so that creates a lot of contention and friction. When yeah. really, if you are just, you know what, you have to remember your mom's growing up too. That's right. And it's hard. Well, not just not growing up in like cause no, she's she immature, is. but she's getting no, but older. But she's, she's also never raised. And she's a never teenage been girl in this situation. Yeah, this You've all never new. been a teenager, yeah, and she's never learning. been the mom of a teenager. It's That's hard really for good. everyone all around. I think you could just add to that. Be nicer to your dad, too. I'm just saying. Well, teenage As girls can be nicer. Yes, they definitely should be. But yeah. I feel like universally teenage girls have a thing with their moms. I think you're right. And so... I think everyone could be nicer to the mom. Yeah. Everyone should be nicer to mom, especially... Even mom. Yeah. If mom's nicer to mom, everyone else is nicer right. to mom, too. So true. What That's else? All right. The These are me- good. I know, right? The media isn't right. Except for this this show. Well, this show this is. This show's right. But the, the other pictures, media. the pictures yeah. that you see in the magazines, yeah. this the way the-, the movie turns out, yeah. that's not how it Let's is. Let's just put it this way. The Matt Townsend show is the only right show. Uh, yeah. Okay. That feels better. Okay. Yeah. That's, that sounds good. Wait, wait. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, yeah. Sean has an update. 
I saw X Men last night. That wasn't real. No. 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 Man. You heard it here. No. Not real. So the point behind this is, so many teenage girls look at it at the media at who they're supposed to be yeah. at the kind of girl they're supposed to be how they're supposed to look how yeah. they're supposed to like a entice every well no not that how they're supposed to entice every guy yeah and that's not the right message no. And it's not going to go away as much as we keep saying society is awful. Right. For pre- it's not going to go away. Yeah, you can so hate you just the need media. To stop you just need to, yeah, and that's a great thing parents should be teaching. Just stop believing. Yes, it's entertainment. Yep. And it's not going to change, even though we wish it would. Yep. So instead, we need to teach that it's not real. Let's look at the real women and who we can really be aspiring to be. That's great. Who are in actual real people in our lives? These are good. It's almost like you. You've you've lived this. I have. Okay, we're Surprisingly. Gonna, we didn't even get halfway through your list. That's okay. So, but we're gonna we're gonna have to sneak you in throughout the show. Okay, perfect. I'll we'll just so you flip, hang flip. around. All right. Don't go anywhere. I mean, I know you always go back there and just gab. No, no, no. <sighs> well, Sean I'm... and I do the show. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, just do it. Whatever you got to do. Those are great, though. Um, Thanks, again, uh, just again, let's just let's reaffirm the Matt Townsend Show is the only media that is right. That you you learned it here. Yeah. That was great. Great promotion. Put that on a, <laughs> put that on a meme. Okay, I will. I'll well done, Maddie Richards. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we've got a great guest in store. Uh, Tony My- uh, Tony Mosier is joining us, and he's going to be teaching us about what to watch out for, uh, the things we need to be protecting our children from, and uh, and really how to know when they need help. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're talking teens today, getting them on the right path right here on the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today, we are talking about teenagers, and, uh, you know, they get a bad rap, but when you think about it, they're just cute little babies growing up and starting to go through puberty. That's a pretty clear definition of a teenager. However, they have issues, right? They're trying to figure out who they are. They're trying to grow this identity, understand who they are. They're dealing with their hormonal issues. They have their identity issues, plus an influx of technology muscles and now they're getting hormones and they're noticing girls or whatever. So it creates a a cornucopia of potential problems. So we wanted to bring on an expert who could walk us through teenagerhood, teenage life, help us understand what really is a problem. What are the problems we should be looking out for? What are the things that we as parents need to just let go and, uh, you know, let it go. If we had that button, we could even let it go. Just like that. Because they're teens, you know? Sorry, Aaron. Did I just totally shock you there? Yeah, I was like, oh, the yeah, hockey's. That's all right. That's yeah. all right. James is out. I know. It's hard. You're used to He has these really pretty colors. I'm just kind of yeah. like, Whoa. That's all right. Just every time I say let it go. Okay. Yeah, just, all right. Let it go. Okay, not then. You didn't need to do it then. Oh, I let it go that yeah, time. Yeah, it's just Sorry. you kind of got to know when it's when I gotta to let know it go. when to let it go. Yeah, like, like when I say let it go. Faux show. But never mind. Okay. Okay. Um, so here's the deal. Tony Mosier is joining us. Tony is a licensed marriage family therapist, program director at Telos, which is a residential treatment center for teenage boys dealing with depression, anxiety, substance abuse, addiction, social problems, and learning differences. He has a, uh, a mass, uh, MS degree in marriage and family therapy from Utah State University. He grew up in Colorado and Idaho, currently lives in Highland, Utah. He has five energetic children, Adelaide, Truman, Beckett, Lucy, and Millie, who contribute to a very active home life. 
Tony's interests include photography, writing, and skiing. Tony Mosier, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thanks for having me. So good to have you. It's um, Even today I saw parents don't know what to do. They don't know what to do because they're afraid. They don't want their child to – they see these signs that maybe they're not socially engaged. They're distancing themselves. Maybe they haven't done anything you know, necessarily a big trigger kind of thing that we'd watch out for. But they're worried and they don't necessarily know, is that normal? How do we, do you see that? Is that, do we as parents know what we're doing? Absolutely. Uh, I think that uh, we live in a world that's riddled with anxiety. And when you have a teenager, the minute you have a child, all of a sudden the stakes are very high. And so um, what I see, especially as, as children become teenagers and parents feel out of their element, is a lot of times when when teenager teenagers are doing normal things like naturally pulling away from the family, finding their own identity, differentiating themselves, um, parents' anxiety goes through the roof. Yeah, it was funny. I I saw a study, and they took a group of people and they they had them write down everything they were anxious about, everything they were worried about, all the things that could possibly go wrong. Were these adults or these were adults? Uh-huh. These were adults. Yeah. And then they came back after a certain period of time and they assessed what had actually happened and what hadn't happened. And 97% of the things that people worry about actually never happen. Oh, my heavens. So, so much of being a teenager is just riding through the little natural, normal bumps. Isn't that, it's so interesting because we do, but but we obsess about, so think of that, three out of a hundred of our worries are real. And then what's interesting, it seems like some um, aren't worrying about anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. th- then there's the opposite side of the coin that maybe you're the less anxious parent. And that, yeah, my, what, why would, if I had the, a couple today and it's, you know, it's so weird because she worries about everything and he worries about nothing. Mm-hmm. And I sat there and I said, well, what's weird about that? Why would you worry if she does? Yeah. And she has to worry because he never does. So it's this perfect system, isn't it? Yeah. We end up balancing out, you know, so if you have someone that's too anxious, dad might become completely Inactive or vice versa. Mom does enough worrying for everybody, Uh so I might as well check out. So what do we need to know? Like when you sit there as an expert, and again, I'd love to get some callers. If there's anybody out there in listener land today and you have a teen problem, something going on with your teenager and you're worried like, oh, I might be losing him on this, and you have a question for our guest, Tony Mosier, um, give us a call, 1-855-CHAT-BYU, 1-855-CHAT-BYU. If you get in and you get a call and you get on the air with us, we will uh, send you an autograph book from, well, or a book from one of our guests. Uh, you know, some, we'll let you pick out of a variety of books. And we will send you a book just for getting on the air with us today. Again, Tony Mosier is our guest. He's the program director at a residential treatment center for, tr- uh, not troubled per se, but just teenagers that need a little help are troubled yeah you call them trouble <laughs> troubled teenagers by the way the website if you want to go look it up is telos t-e-l-o-s-r-t-c.com telosrtc.com um so talk to us teens are teens right the convergence of all these issues identity all that how, how do we know when we ought to be worrying well that's a good question because Every teen is different. Yeah. What I typically would look for is sudden and drastic changes. Hmm. Anything that changes almost overnight. So, for example, if you have a kid that loves golf, he yeah. eats, sleeps, breathes golf, and then all of a sudden one day he's just suddenly completely disinter- disinterested in it, wants nothing to do with it, that can be a sign that something's going on. 
Um, other times you, you watch for children sl- more slowly over time, they start to build a cocoon of, of dysfunction. So these are kids who before they were social, and uh-huh. they were integrated, they were happy. And over time, they become more and more isolative. They're in their room. They're sleeping in. You can't get them up for school. Um, they're really pulling away from life. Um, that can be a something to look for. Um, times when they just fe- you feel like, what happened to my child? He's yeah, really is unlike he? yeah. himself. Is this? Do you sense? I mean, there's always kind of the nature nurture thing. There's, mm-hmm. and but then in this world too, there's just this big world of chemical mm-hmm. that seems to with a lot of them, and it seems in the teenage world is when some of these chemistries get a little disturbed as they're going through puberty. Yeah, and so. I mean, what percentage of the boys that come to Telos, for example, are chemically challenged? I would say 80%. Yeah. So and there's probably a very strong push. Right. The two highest diagnoses we deal with are depression and anxiety. Yeah. And uh, and typically that is very chemically related. Yeah. So. And then, it, I mean, and they might be pretty normalized throughout their younger years and then, you know, Hormones kick, Absolutely. and all of a sudden they're turning into adults, and now you're pushing testosterone through an anxious paradigm or an anxious chemistry. Exactly. And yeah. now it's like getting aggressive, and yeah, and moods are swinging more, and sleep is decreasing. Exactly. And isn't that? Yeah. It really is a. It's amazing how much of our psyche is run by pure chemistry, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And then, and then, but then all these parents are out there, and it makes sense. Oh, I don't want to drug my child up and make him a zombie. What's your answer to that? Because if somebody is chemically askew anyway, you're not making them a zombie and you're not making them an addict to give them the chemistry their body needs. Right. Well, I know that's a hot topic and different professionals have different stances. I really see medication management as a really helpful tool. I bet. Um, You know, brain chemistry is brain chemistry. It comes down to serotonin. And what most of these meds do is they simply – they correct the chemicals that really should be in your brain naturally. So you have people who battle with depression, battle with anxiety, um, and – you know, they really aren't themselves. You can, and you and, can see. And, and so they say, well, I don't want to be on a med because then I won't be me anymore. <laughs> Yet a lot of times medication can help you get back yeah. to the person whom you yeah. really are. Because that's who you used to be before you the, had the change. And, and it doesn't have to be long-term or permanent yeah, either. Yeah, that's true, huh? Right. And there's other ways to get certain types of chemicals just by exercising Absolutely. or doing In other fact, things. In fact, I read a study that if you engage – one of the things we do at Telos is the boys come there and – they train in triathlons, swim, bike, and run. Oh, do they really? Yeah. So kind of a couch potato kid comes yeah. in and doesn't really think he can do much. And then, um, you know, he goes through an exercise regime and every day he's in the gym and he's out on the track and he gets a new racing bike. He gets all geared up. He's in the pool doing laps. And then they compete in these triathlons, like community triathlons. How? Yeah. And so what we see is these boys just kind of come alive. Mom and dad come out to visit and they say, there he is. There's the kid that I've known all his life until yeah. last year. With 1% body fat. <laughs> well, maybe not that. <laughs> yeah, but, okay. uh, but, but that's amazing. They found that boy again. The boy's back. Absolutely. In fact, there's, it's really interesting. I saw a study that equated 45 minutes of, of cardiovascular exercise, getting your heart rate kind of into that therapeutic yeah. zone, is the equivalent to a starting dose of Prozac. Which I'd never really seen a study break it down like that as far as serotonin levels. But it's, that's how powerful. 45 minutes of kind of in the zone mm-hmm. cardiovascular exercise. Right. So 
so sometimes some of these natural remedies are more powerful than we might think. <sighs> That's no duh. Isn't that interesting? And just diet. Yeah. And then what would actually that and then they're tired so, and they're yeah. not. So you're probably your group probably aren't technologically amped every day because they're not with their phones all day. Right. No so, phones. No phones. So then yeah. they get a good night's sleep. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting how some how so much of this is just basic common sense. Yeah, like, we, we call it social detoxification. <laughs> it's like a social sad? detox, just getting them out of the, the environment they were in where their sleep patterns were off. Uh-huh. They might have had a toxic peer group that was bringing them down. Or a parent. It's like, so why, why, why are you sitting there? Why are you just sitting there? Why don't you go out with your friends? Your friends are doing stuff. Why aren't you doing stuff? Oh, yeah. You should be more like your friends. Family discord, pressure, academic uh-huh. stress, all that. Yeah. Oh, my heavens. And then, then they reach this level where they're now troubled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Labeled title, whatever we're calling it. And then all of a sudden intervention and then the parents spend a lot of money <laughs> and send them out yeah. and then you help them. Mm-hmm. But then eventually you have to send them home. Yeah. And uh, that's the where that's where you that's the tricky part. I bet it is. And um, one of the things that I truly believe about teenagers is you can't take a boy or a girl out of their home put them in some kind of an artificial treatment yeah, setting, incubator. W- work on their what's going on inside of them and, and give no mind to the family dynamics, yeah, what's really system. going on at yeah. home. So so often, if you neglect looking at the family and helping the parents learn new ways of dealing with their teen, then the boy goes right back home and he yeah. reverts back to his old ways. I think of it like a puzzle. If you took a, a piece out of a puzzle and then you change the shape of that piece, yeah. but the puzzle remains the same. It's well, when he tries fit. to go back in, he's got to morph back to the old shape it's in order so to true. fit. So true. We're talking with Tony Mosier, uh, program director at Telos, which is a residential treatment center for struggling teenage boys, helping them deal with a bunch of issues. We're picking his brain. We'd love questions from you. one eight five five chat byu one eight five five chat byu or just go to Twitter, at BYU Radio, and you can ask your questions to us. We'd love to uh, offer those to him and get any insight or, you know, answers to your needs. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm joined by uh, Tony Mosier, He's in studio with me today, program director at Telos, which is a residential treatment center for teenage boys dealing with all sorts of issues, depression, anxiety, substance abuse, addiction problems, social problems, learning issues, learning differences. And uh, Tony's, uh, you know, he's the real deal. He is a licensed uh, marriage family therapist. He's from worked, at, got his degree from Utah State University. He is the father of five energetic children. And also um, is a board member of the National Association of Therapeutic Schools and Programs and, and you know, program direct, director at Telos. Go to their website, TelosRTC, Telos, T-E-L-O-S-R-T-C dot com. And Tony's helping us um, try to understand, you know, when's, when you got to worry because a lot of parents worry. And it's, it's so interesting to me how um, an anxious mom, for example, I saw recently – with a son that is showing every sign of anxiety on earth. And um, the mom just badgers him with her anxiety. <laughs> and I sit there and I watch and I think, do you not see? Do you not see that he's probably got anxiety? 
And she's like, oh, do you think? <laughs> and I'm like, well, he hides. He avoids. He hates. He's afraid. He does all this stuff and um, won't go to school, won't commit, won't, is afraid of failure, is a perfectionist, doesn't, can never add up. And I'm like, have you, how come that didn't dawn on you? Why is it that we don't see it? Why don't we see it in our own system? Well, I think that like many things, when you're – just because you're a good therapist yeah. doesn't mean you're going to be the perfect father or the perfect right. husband because that which I teach, I don't necessarily do yeah, or, or see. can't necessarily yeah. see. Exactly. So it's not uncommon. You know, one of my graduate professors said great therapists have great therapists. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's exactly right. Because well, you, you need to see these things. And you actually see that in a lot of therapists that they are trying to solve their own problem. They were self-aware enough to know they have their issues, so they got into the field to start solving it. Yeah. And then they have their children. And Every once in a while, we'll have a parent come to Telos who is a therapist. Yeah. And, um the very first thing we do is we say, okay, mom or dad, we need to fire you. You're yeah. no longer a therapist. You've just been hired as dad. Oh, that's So right. don't try to diagnose. Yeah. Don't try to treat. Don't try to process. Just just be. Yeah, just, just be with be. your son and let Love, this process care. go through. That's yeah. huge. Um, our teenagers, it seems like we think they're just adults, little adults. Is that true? I mean, are they – or is it different? Treating a teen is different than treating an adult. Treating a teen is different. Even from a brain chemistry perspective, you know, you look at the studies that that, it, that have really established that the frontal lobe isn't, isn't really fully developed until a child is yeah. in their early to mid-20s. So, so think of that. You're not really an adult developmentally until yeah. 20, whatever, five. Yeah. So 18 is just an arbitrary yeah. day. It's just exactly. a birthday. You aren't suddenly, funny? you don't suddenly think and reason like an adult just because you turn 18. Yeah. In fact, and you may implicitly reason significantly worse or yeah. reason less, you know, cognitively, yeah. less effectively. Does, um, what do you see? So if I'm watching and I'm seeing some of the things you mentioned earlier, a child that was kind of building the cocoon of dysfunction or suddenly changing drastic changes, um, what else do I need to be doing with them? Do I, other than panic, freak out, starting <laughs> – because what we tend to do is like, ah, buck up. Come on. Yeah. What is your deal? And then we, we sometimes we clinch down harder. We tighten the screws down. Right. And that seems to maybe exacerbate things. Absolutely. I, well, I think the first thing is try not to panic. And it's a tall order yeah. because it can get scary. But one of the things we know about fear is is fear and anger are like brother brothers. Yeah. I mean, they're so closely related. So you have the child that, you know, comes home three hours after curfew. They walk in the door. Dad's sitting there on the couch. He's, you know, been waiting up. And he reacts with anger uh -huh. and he starts laying into him. And, well, what, what's really going on behind that anger? Well, he's terrified. Yeah. How much more powerful would it be for that dad to stand up and say, bud, I, I've been worried sick. I thought yeah. I lost my best friend. You know? yeah. and, and so our fears can so easily turn into being over-controlling, uh, being rigid, yeah. be, even being hostile. So try not to panic. And, and I would say – you need to remember that chances are very, very good that things are going to turn out just fine. And after, you know, 15, 18 years of being a therapist, I have the benefit of having worked with hundreds, if not thousands of families. And you, you're able to track people. Yeah. And you look back and you run into people all the time and you see that, well, <laughs> that kid was a mess when he was 16 years yeah. old. Yet look at him now. So when you look back at your own numbers and your own people that you've dealt with, and and these are... Complex kids. These are complex kids, yeah. seriously troubled and in programs, right. having had intervention, and yet you still see 
huge success rates. Oh, yeah. We see 80, 81% of them are in college within a year of leaving the program. 97% of, the, percent of them are employed yeah. after leaving the program. These are kids who, who go on and function. And That's great. sometimes I feel like you know, treatment professionals, treatment programs, therapists, we like to take a lot of the credit. Uh-huh. But in reality, mother nature and time, yeah, just natural yeah. maturation, mm-hmm. there's a huge difference between 16 and 18 and between 18 and 21. Yeah. So just getting them through the, that period of time without them royally messing up their life, <laughs> right. um, it, it's, it's amazing. So maybe that's deal. kind of what it is, is you incubate them so as not to hurt themselves right. in any regard, mentally, socially, emotionally. But... Um, it also seems that they're also trying to figure themselves out. So a little time of yeah. kind of figuring out the code right. and understanding their actual diagnosis, like what have they actually, what are they dealing with, right. and unwinding it. I mean, think of that. If you had to unwind the hardest ball of twine that you've ever seen, yeah, okay, give it five years. Yeah, That's yeah. not a huge task. You right. can take the biggest wall of twine, ball of twine and figure it out in five years. Absolutely. Yeah, so when, you know, a lot of times teenagers, um, when they're highly emotional, especially, they're kind of in brainstem mode. They're yeah. kind of working from the animal brain yeah. rather than the frontal lobe. And, and as adults, that really invites us to go into brainstem yeah. mode. Then we and we stop other. using our frontal lobe. And then, then you have two brainstems kind of bumping <laughs> into each other and yeah. not a lot of good happens. Yeah, that pretty much sounds bad so right there. So anything you can do to to remain calm, to reach out to people who have walked the road before you that can give you some perspective. Some of the things that you think are imminent crisis really might be a more natural part of the teenage experience. So I would say, you know, for sure, reach out to others. Speaking of of the Let It Go song that you were playing earlier, um, there's a a lyric, Conceal, Don't Feel. And a lot of people... um, they, they try to conceal these issues from those around them, and they just kind of isolate. Yeah. Um, is that the shame? The so shame, they feel the yeah. shame, so they start sealing it off. Absolutely. Which is only going to create a compression problem later. Right. Like something's going to blow later. Yeah. And, uh, and so as parents, we, we get this idea that our children are our report cards mm-hmm. as parents. So you have the kid next door who's you know bound for an Ivy League school and he just kind of raised himself and he does everything great and there's trophies all over his yeah. room. And you think, well, those are great parents. And then you, meet, you might look at your child and they're kind of struggling. You think, well, obviously I'm a bad parent. Right. But that's just not the way it no. is. We, we do. We, we, and then we compete and we compare. And then right. we go on Pinterest or something and then there's social pressure like my kid's not even reading and he's one. Yeah. <laughs> loser. What a loser. But I mean, that's a weird thing, too, huh? Because how the pressure you're feeling as a parent is going to be reflected on the child. Yeah. And again, they're not developmentally where they need to be anyway, and they're under pressure and maybe anxiety or depression or some other thing. So how we how we present to them is a big deal. It's a huge deal. Yeah. And I guess, too, the most anxious parent probably doesn't present well to the most anxious child. Well, I think about my own parenting mistakes. My biggest parenting mistakes have been when I was embarrassed because my child did something that kind of humiliated me publicly. Yeah. Or when I was just feeling it was really about me and my anxiety rather than really what they were doing. And so I respond in a way that strains the relationship Uh rather than does anything to actually support and help the child. Yeah, hurt you. Um, let's. We have a tweet. Yeah, we have a tweet, actually. Uh, it's from mrose0707, and the question is, what's the best way to get my teen to open up to me? Great question. Cash. 
<laughs> Maybe that's wrong, but uh, it seems to be the fastest. <laughs> you fix that, Tony. Um, okay. So uh, imagine that your child, say your child is Billy. Imagine that Billy is like a living museum. It's the Museum of Billy. And Billy actually is really good at keeping everybody in the lobby of his museum. And there's a guard that stands in front of the door. He doesn't let anybody in. Yeah. And, you know, so you might be able to talk about the weather and the Broncos and the Cougars, but you can't talk about the real issues with Billy because he just doesn't go there. Yeah. Well, every once in a while, Billy will have a problem. He'll struggle. And he might come to you. He might come to you and say, you know, I hate this teacher or, you know, dad's such a jerk. And in those moments, it triggers you. And what you want to do is you want to go into teach and preach. Yeah. You want to you say, can't well, hate a teacher. Your, your teacher. You don't hate your teacher. You just don't like that the teacher holds you accountable. Well, you don't hate your dad. You just don't like yeah. that your dad has some rules you need to follow. If you can avoid that instinct to automatically go there and try to inject the truth yeah. into your child, and instead you say, okay, what Billy's just done is he's cracked the door of this museum. Yeah, he lets you and in. And I'm going I'm to just stick my toe in there. The best way to do that is to ask questions. And Matt, you know that when you go to therapy school, you, you, I thought that you'd go to therapy school and they'd teach you, they'd give this big dusty book full yeah. of all the answers. <laughs> right. and, you know, People would Answer come to you and say, teach me a wise one. Well, yeah. what they do in therapy school is they teach you how to ask the right questions, yeah. how to ask powerful questions. And they teach you that the answers aren't outside of people. They're inside of people. And you're a guide to help them find those good questions. And, and he's already leading you to the issue because yeah. he's talking about – and it, by the way, it may all be smoke and contorted and distorted, but he brought up the teacher. Yeah. He brought up the negative energy. He brought up the word hate. Yeah. What, but that's a gate. That's what a door. If, what if your son has struggled with substance abuse and he says, oh, I just want to go smoke a joint right yeah. now. And, and you know, the, it really triggers us as parents. Yet, if you were to ask a question, and that's the key, ask a question and you become what I would call the curious observer or the humble detective. That's great. And you say – Wow, bud, I haven't heard you talk like that for quite a while. So you, it sounds like you're really having a hard time with this teacher. What happened? Well, you know, I turned in the assignment yeah. and, and he lost it and now I'm getting an F and, oh, that's tough. So what have you tried to do? Well, I can't do anything. That teacher doesn't even like me. And Wow. What, what's it like to be in a class and you feel like that teacher doesn't even yeah. think you exist? Well, oh. it, it stinks. And, and so then all of a sudden it's been 20 minutes and now – you're deep into the museum. You're going back yeah. and you're exploring the the wing of self-esteem or of how I feel about girls yeah. or, or what my future goals are. And some of these wings are kind of dusty and scary yeah. and, and dark. your child doesn't mm-hmm. even like to go there. But all of a sudden you're in there. And now as a parent, instead of controlling him, you're, you have the ability to influence That's him. That's so great. So I would say resist the urge to teach and preach and instead ask excellent questions. I, you know what it's, and it works that I can attest it works. And you've also, you've already been in now. So your, your likelihood of you getting in again, if you, if you honor what you know and don't push and don't shove the likelihood of him letting you back in that room, absolutely much higher, man, good advice. Tony Mosier, we're going to take a break again. If you have questions, comments, if you have an issue, you need some help with, with your teenager, you know, trying to crack the door, maybe get in a little bit further. Give us a call. We'll get them to Tony. Tony Mosier, the program director at Telos, is here. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're talking teens today. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. 
We are joined today by Tony Mosier. Tony is the program director at Telos, which is a residential treatment center for teenage boys dealing with depression, anxiety, substance abuse, you name it. They go in, they bring these boys in. And one thing they do, uh, triathlons, they get these kids trained, exercising, all of a sudden just get them doped up, quite literally, doped up with their own chemistry. And then um, I, I assume you then take them through you know, classes, skill building, lots of probably therapeutic moments, not always on a couch. Sometimes the best ones, I'm assuming, are just out in the field. Yeah, out, active, reality therapy. It actually seems like a lot of kids, especially boys maybe, when we have the goal of talking, it's not always as obvious to us. Like that's not as – but if you're riding on a bike and you have a chance to pull up next to a boy and ask the right question, you might get a lot of information. Absolutely. Talking about anxiety when you're in the office versus – Seeing the anxiety when he's out to take an open water swim yeah. is different. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Does um, we talked about before the break how you kind of open up, how you get how you get somebody, a child or a teenager, and, and it works with everybody. Everything you just explained before the break of listening to what they're saying and taking the lead from them. They have their own answers, and if they're already bringing you and presenting you, and a lot of times they'll present it like in an earthquake, in a fire. They'll just blow it up in your face, and then your reaction is critical. If you start solving, fixing, cramming it down their throat, correcting, we don't do drugs and just pontificating, you're going to probably have the door slammed again. Yeah. If not, if you start asking questions, understanding, listening, and then letting them lead you, every sentence leads you to your next question. So you almost shouldn't know your next question till you – have heard their response, Absolutely, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Isn't that weird? That's called listening. Yeah. <laughs> what the heck, Tony? Are we supposed to listen to our kids? <laughs> but now talk about the kid, the child, the teen that that doesn't emote per se. I mean, they're emoting, but not really. They're quietly sealed off. Yeah. They've hidden themselves away. They're sleeping a lot. They're probably maybe, let's just say, in a more depressive mode. Mm-hmm. What do we do there? Uh, that's probably the, one of the most challenging circumstances to be in because, you know, if I had my choice to work with a teen who was highly oppositional, in my face, angry, versus a boy who's curled up in the corner who won't even speak with me, yeah, give me the oppositional yeah. teen. At and least there's something energy, to work with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, I know many parents who will say, "Well, I would love to be able to ask my son questions and and kind of go through that consultation therapeutic process with them," but. I do ask those questions and I am emotionally safe and I'm not a reactive parent, mm-hmm. yet he's just completely shut down. Um, in those situations, I have a couple thoughts. One is that sometimes it takes a little bit of time. Um, so a lot of the teenage behaviors that are troubling, you have to ask yourself, is this really impacting him vocationally, you know, in his in his employment, in his academic setting, in his family relationships, yeah. in his social setting. And if the answer is no, he's just kind of being moody going through a phase, then you might let that ride. Let it go. Let yeah. it go for a while. Yet, um, when that's not the case and you see his life start to unravel and he won't engage with you and you feel like you really are doing everything you can, in those situations, I think it's worthwhile to, to seek help. Yeah. To How seek do you help. do that? Like – I mean, that is the hardest thing because – and then how do you – and how do you find – we talked about this off air, but how do you find the one you trust? Yeah. And because I can't tell you how many times I've had people come to me and say, oh, yeah, I've seen four therapists. Right. 
the best thing that you can do, and I've, I've told so many families this, is you, you <laughs> open the yellow pages, right? Pick a therapist, pick a clinic, call them, and ask the question, who do you know in the valley, who do you know in the area that's really good with teens? And every community is going to have yeah. several that yeah. are really good with who teens. Who would you send your son to? Right. So I'd, yeah. To, you no, know, who yeah, would you send your a, son to? Exactly. Because that when someone asked me that way. Yeah. Then like, you, you really think. Yeah. Like, okay. I would send mine. Yeah. It's a big deal. Um, Sean? We've got another tweet. Another tweet. Yeah. This is from Swagstar DD. What's the biggest mistake I can make with my future team? Hmm. Hmm. Too much cash. <laughs> it's always about the cash. What do you think on that one? Well, well, maybe this, it goes back I, to not listening. To. Um, this is the law of the harvest, and I and I don't mean to make anybody think that they haven't put the time in with their child. But when you develop family rituals and traditions, and you understand the principle that in order to have a relationship, you have to nurture a relationship, yeah. and that has to be a priority. The seeds that you plant when they're five and six and ten years old. You'll, you'll harvest that yeah. when they're teenagers. So, for example, if you never talk about human sexuality and it's a taboo topic in your home, yeah. then when your child is 14, 15 years old and starting to be interested in thinking about that, they're not going to breach that subject. Right. But if it's something that you're open yeah. and from when they're little, you, you, you talk about it and it's as easy as any, talking about anything else, then they're going to actually come in more likely to talk to you about those things. So I would say be very purposeful in – Putting in the time, having good good experiences with your child. I had one person say, you know, the secret to a happy life is building beautiful memories. Mm. And so the the family vacations, the time in the backyard, you know, that's that that's what's the the relational currency in the bank that will pay huge dividends when your child is older. Oh no, that is. And you know what else is so great about it? Um, they're getting it anyway, too. So you might have more bandwidth. You might have more of an account with them than you think. Absolutely. Just because of that history. But you almost don't know until, I mean, it's all more about your relationship. Your your ability to say anything is contingent on the relationship. So if if you've been spending the time, you can say anything. Like, son, you're worrying me. You need help. And, and if you haven't been around, that's a different comment than from a dad that can cry and say, son, you're worrying me. Absolutely. And um, and I'd like to just say I know there's parents out there that think, well, my, my child used to love me. They used to value me. I'd come home from work and they'd, daddy's home. Yeah, they'd listen for the garage door yeah. and throw their arms around me. And now they couldn't care less. In yeah. fact, they have enmity toward me. Mm-hmm. Why am I all of a sudden the bad guy? Yeah. I know this from having worked with hundreds of families. When they are in a setting where they've been sent to Utah and they're in this program and all of that defensiveness and all of the all the layers peel away, they absolutely love you. They, they cherish you. And you have more influence and, and power in that child's life than you think you do. Yeah. They just won't give you the satisfaction of knowing it at the time. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. It's almost sense. like you're not fighting the real them. Yeah. You're fighting this ghost pseudo them that they've built up to defend themselves. Yeah, but exactly. deep, deep down when that gets peeled off, they just want to be loved and understood. Yeah. So there's something to be said for perseverance and hanging in there. And, yeah. you know, you have to walk on parched earth for a few a few years there sometimes. Yeah. But you get to the other side of that and, 
and they're still there. They've never really gone anywhere. Well, see, that's what's amazing. And two, though, the thought of watching your child self-destruct and doing all you can do, but still standing by and saying, we love you, and I guess we'll watch you self-destruct. Yeah. I mean, sometimes that's all you can get, huh? I mean, yeah. sometimes you can only do what you can do. Well, at the end of the day, we know about agency. Yeah. And uh, it's the agony of being human is is loving so much and wanting to be able to control and make someone do the right thing. Yeah. Yet we know that that isn't the right way. Right. Oh, man. Kids. And yet there are there are their heritage to the Lord. Right. They're the this is the future. This is the inheritance. And, you know, it's interesting. I even think like God must sit down and look at us like. You think you got it bad. <laughs> you have no clue. Tried that times a billion. <laughs> I mean, and seriously, it's – and yet it, it really – to me, I didn't realize something. You know, it's one thing to like – but I relate to God differently because I have kids. Yeah. Because I have a different compassion and a different fear mm-hmm. and a different just ache that your kids can't just be happier and, oh, you're missing this opportunity. I'm going to go spend – uh the weekend going to San Diego driving nice with uh, four of my kids. And um, I have a feeling it's going to get tense. (laughs) I just got back from Disneyland. It will get tense. tense. I drove. Yeah. Did you too? (laughs) So um, what what advice, and it doesn't have to be about that, but what advice would you give us? We've only got about a minute left. What's the one thing that we should be worried about? What's like the one thing? If if you could tell a parent with a struggling kid that is struggling, which by the way, all kids, but then like let's say severely struggling, what what would you, what would you say to the parent? Um, and maybe you've already said it, but reinforce it. What's the one thing that that child needs to know from you? That you're a steady, constant, eternal presence in their life. Don't give up hope. Um, they're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. And this too shall pass. Yeah. So if you can parent with grace and yeah. you can you can be your best self when times are the most trying, um, it'll pay off. It'll pay off. Take the eternal view. Yeah. You know? I mean, and there's something about it that, yeah, this too shall pass. At some point, they're going to figure out the code. Yeah. Statistically, it sounds like about 85% of your people eventually figure out the code. And some maybe just have a code that just doesn't seem to go well. Yeah. With the rest of society, which doesn't mean they can't coexist. They just have to have a different yeah. life. Or they're on their own timeline. Yeah. The late bloomers. Uh-huh. I mean, I, and it's – and then there's – but there's so many expectations, right? And so much of this is just magnified by social pressures and expectations that we should all be something that maybe we're not. Right. Powerful. Wow. Good stuff. So appreciate you. Tony Mosier, again, go to his website. If you're struggling with a teen – this is a great program. Um, just go to Telos RTC. What does the RTC stand for? Residential Treatment Center. That's all you need to know. TelosRTC.com. Uh, Telos, by the way, is Greek for? Ultimate Potential. Cool. That's cool. Boy, I'm lucky. I was lucky that was Greek. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that could have gone totally sideways. Telos Ultimate Potential. TelosRTC.com. Uh, and look up Tony Mosier there. Good stuff. Appreciate you, Tony. My pleasure. Thank you. And uh, we're going to keep talking teens today, folks. Stay tuned. Don't give up. So much good from these wonderful teens of ours. We're taking a break. We'll be right back right here on the Matt Townsend Show. 
Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show, hour number two. Hey, today we're talking teenagers and uh, your role as a parent in, you know, raising a healthy teenager, not breaking them, you know, stuff like that. But I am taking my, this is how great of a parent I am. I'm taking my children to SeaWorld. Ten points to Matt. Uh, That is if we make it. Alive. There's no return policy on teenagers. It's a trap! (laughs) (laughs) It's, um, uh, yeah, there's no return policy. So today, you know, we've we've just learned a lot about effective parenting from a, a true expert. That was great stuff. And, but this is what I love. We've asked Mike to go do some research for us because one of the questions we had is should you be a, should, should parents be friends with their children? Research? What do you think? I, you know, even no. before I, I went in and I dove into my psychology book yeah. and, and read what, what everybody's saying out there, it's, I thought, nah, that's it's, probably not a good idea. It's creepy. And you brought up an example. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Mean Girls, I have, yeah. but the, the antagonist, Regina George. Yeah, I don't remember the name, but yeah, um, Regina's the, the blonde the, girl yeah. in the high school. Uh, her mother... Is she, she walks in? I want to be the cool mom. She's dressed just like just her like daughter, her. and they do this. They have the same jeans, same <laughs> hair. Yeah, you can't do that. No, kids need a role model. They need you modeling healthy living, not paralleling their life. By the way, I don't. Why would you want to parallel a life that includes? I don't know. There's a Zit lot of medicine reasons. and acne medicine and braces. And- I, I was already a teenager. Yeah. I don't, and I was a teenage boy, and I have four girls. By the way, you nailed it. So I don't want to be a teenage girl. No. Yeah, that, yeah, you, yeah you've got four girls. <laughs> I, I played Barbies when I was a kid, when I was okay. a young man, when I was a young father, because my daughter loved Barbies. Of course. And I had I've a, done that. I had a Ken doll and a Jeep. Wow. Just to just so my masculinity wasn't impacted. You didn't bring the GI Joe in. Yeah, I had a GI Joe. I had a GI Joe, but so but you know I, we would play, but I wasn't playing to be her friend. I was playing to relate to my daughter her at her level. But you're going to teach us. What did you find out? Well, we shouldn't. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons you shouldn't, and and you know there's. I was kind of curious because I'm I'm not a parent yet and I haven't had any kids yet. But I was like, why would somebody want to parent that way? Yeah. Why, what's the? But I think we get it confused because we think we should be that loving or that kind or that close or that connected. But you're a parent. A parent role. You're the one as a parent. You're the one that actually had the baby. Right. You're the one that chose the baby. You're the one that gave the name. You're the one that's paying the bills. It was you. So that's a different role. You didn't find the baby at the store. And that, that was one of the things that I read about is the role changes. Yeah. And uh, for some parents, they get confused and, and it's, they fall into a trap where they don't realize that their, their role as a parent is changing as time goes on. Yeah. Uh, when you first have a baby, it's, it, there's a purely emotional uh, part of the parent relationship that's built into your lifestyle with affection and, and esteem. And, and parents are genetically geared to love their children and the yeah. children are geared to love them back. But as the, the stage, you know, the next stage comes, it becomes more of a functional role. Right, a parent. You're going to provide it, a it, it's, service. It's not just an emotional role, right? Yeah. I mean, you're you're changing diapers. You're uh, you're teaching them to talk and to sing and taking them yeah. to school. And don't that touch kind of stuff. The fire. Feed them. Yeah, right. exactly. Um, and so, you know, if you 
to have too much of, of one of those roles, that's really damaging for the child. Sure. Um, I don't know of any friends' diapers I've changed. Oh, really? Yeah. What kind of friends do you have? Well, luckily, none that I have to change. I'm changing all my friends' diapers. But oh, see, there gosh. will be a day, Sean. There will be a day, and it's oh, it's quickly approaching when you will be able to share the moment of changing diapers. You probably won't change their diaper, but they'll like, hey, do you have any extra diapers? And you'll be like, right here. <laughs> I just happen to have one in my bag right here. <laughs> is it an adult extra large? Yes, it is. Isn't that sad? But that's it. I mean, the function of a role is important. Right. Because, yeah, when I re- realize I'm the father, I also with that pick up this idea that I also I guess I'm going to provide. I'm going to protect and I'm going to kind of preside over with my wife over the spiritual growth of the family, the development of the family, the health of the family. I have a different role. It's interesting. If I were just one of the kids, none of my kids seem to have this burning need to make an income. Which I find very selfish. You know, my kids have a need. Yeah, they have, they a, need, have a need, but it's not burning inside it's of them the to desire, provide that though. need. Yeah, so that that's what you're talking about, Mike. So what happens is with with many parents is that they uh, they kind of miss the boat on that, and they want to make their their child their their friend. And and when I say friend, I'm meaning more of a confidant. Yeah, you know, uh, oh, that's bad. And, and that just doesn't no. fit with the functional yeah. role of a parent. Yeah, you, you did know? you hear what your dad did to me last night? Oh man, your dad makes me so exactly. Mad. That that's what happens. Uh, they they want these parents want to share with their children maybe how they really feel about their grandmother, yeah. or how they feel about the neighbor or their teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, and the the child is just not emotionally. And we've been talking teenagers, but uh, you know, from t five to to maybe. You know, fifteen. They're just not emotionally or intellectually prepared right. to to play the role of a confidant for no. a parent. You should be sharing those feelings with some another forty five year old therapist. Yeah, get get, get a therapist. <laughs> well, because too they can't handle it. So what happens all of a sudden? And it's not even just the feelings. So when the mom, we heard this yesterday or some recently on the show, um, somebody learned to to question their own weight, their own body image by just listening to their mom. So when I look at if the mom thinks she's friends with the daughter, then when the mom's critiquing her own body, the daughter's going to pick up like, oh, I guess we critique our body. Mom should be sitting there thinking, I'm a role model here. And even if I'm not loving my body, my daughter's here. So there's certain things I'm not going to say in front of my daughter that I might tell my best friend because I don't want my daughter to be burdened and saddled with this idea that I've got cellulite. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's horrible. And it's not – it's not fair. It's not fair for the kids. I see this with divorce a lot where the parents are divorcing and one of the parents, usually the one that gets the children, a lot of times ends up confiding maybe too much. Is that using the kids as a weapon sort kind of, of thing? I, think it's yeah. just, I don't think they have anyone to talk to. And, mm-hmm. the, and the older kids want to know. So what did dad do, mom? What did dad do? Yeah. And the minute you change that role, you're setting yourself up. I remember being in – Maybe I, I was probably in sixth or seventh grade. I was 12 years old, and my friend would come back from his mom's house and say, oh, she's so controlling. She's awful. I can't live with her. And, you know, a few years later, I realized, oh, my gosh, he's just parroting what yeah. his father said to him. You know, yeah. he's just repeating back. And uh, But luckily he not... had you to talk to. I mean, in a way, that's – see, that's healthy. You should talk to your friend. That's where we should go. Parents should – have friends enough or therapists or counselors or advisors or religious leaders, somebody to go to to get that out. If, if you're sharing that, 
uh, with your child about your spouse. You're, you're empowering the kid to attack yeah. the, the other uh, parent. And that's just – that's not the role that they should yeah. be playing. That's not OK. I've seen parents get their kids out of school because they needed to go shopping and they wanted a friend. And I think, OK, wow. I, all of a sudden I see that and then as a parent I feel weird like I've never gotten my kid out to go shopping. I'm such a loser. At the same time, I think parents are – you have to be a moral compass for your kids. Yeah. And I'm not sure that the, your kids' friends are are going to be that. No. Yeah. So if you're going to be the moral compass, you've got to be the parent. You can't be the friend. That's right. Well, And, and you can bring up something – that they would actually expect you to bring up. That's where you can bring God into it. That's where you can bring what are your morals, what are your values, mm-hmm. have you thought this through? Well, and in the end, parents are going to be the ones a lot of times that are going to clean it up. Oh, <laughs> I have an example of that, that actually. When yeah. I was when I was growing up, I remember being on a family vacation, went back to Omaha, Nebraska, where my parents are from. We were visiting my uh, my paternal grandmother, and she happened to use a word that well, I I'm not going to say it can't say it yeah um and my parents after we talked with my grandmother and we left my parents quickly told me that's not a word that we are going to use we, we don't say that exactly <laughs> and i and you know it was i could just see you using that word going to <laughs> no. church so my grandma no. said beep, beep, beep. <laughs> no grandma no. oh was, that's great though so yeah. they had to correct it exactly yeah i remember I remember leaving Mike. My my mom doesn't swear. I, I don't want you to feel bad because Mike may date my mom someday. True, um, but she, you know, she'll just use certain small town words. We call them small okay. town words that <laughs> you may not want certain kids saying, but they're not like bad swear words. But um, she, I remember leaving my kids with her for a week, and oh, we came no. home, and my kids had learned all these words and were shell shocked. Like the first thing they want to say is. Uh, mom swore or grandma swore grandma <laughs> swore and i'm like really what what did grandma say and, she, and he's like i can't tell you but it's this word and this word that starts with this and then the next one's like uh, grandma broke the dishwasher grandma broke the dishwasher and i go did she swear yeah grandma swore and broke the dishwasher at the same time <laughs> um it's just interesting but you, you have to correct right that's the role of the grown-up right yes you gotta is. correct um you got one more for us real quick mike what else one point close it down well, you know, I understand uh, why parents don't want to be controlling. They they don't want to seem distant or aloof, and they don't want to become a helicopter parent. But if you find your, yourself wanting to be a friend with your child, uh, you, you want to change that immediately yeah. right now. And you can do something by saying – let's say instead of saying, hey, that teacher's a, a jerk. I hated that rule when I was a kid too. You might say something like, yeah. You know, boy, I, I really dislike that rule when I was in school too, but I had to follow the rules. So you're teaching yeah. your kid to follow that the rules. Still a rule. Yeah. And like our earlier guest said, you can still get into more information. So tell me more about the teacher. What is it about the teacher you're yeah, struggling exactly. with? And go deeper. And then say, and at the end, and, you know, let's still treat people with respect and let's follow the rules. Yeah. And I understand where you're coming from. That's good. Man, good. Well done, Mike. Thanks. And again, you can date my mom. Thanks. I. Thank you. She hardly swears. Have your blessing. She's going to kill me. (laughs) She just made the radio for hardly swearing. Um, (laughs) We're going to take a break. When we come back, Kim Giles is going to be joining us. Kimberly Giles, president and founder of Clarity Point Life Coaching. She's on the phone. 
Uh, we're here taking your uh, tweets at BYU Radio and one eight five five chat BYU. If you have a question for Kim Giles, get it ready. Send it in. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today, we are focusing on parenting teens. You know, apparently those cute little kidlets that you have, you know, the cute ones that smell like baby powder, and eventually they turn into teenagers. And sometimes they don't smell so good. Sometimes they, you know, they have their own attitude. They they don't want a haircut. They don't want to shower, stuff like that. I have five boys, and I had one daughter. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things you can do wrong, apparently. I'm hearing about a few of them now. Uh, my daughter's, in fact, mad at me because she's married, but we didn't invite them to go to uh, to SeaWorld with us. Yeah. That's what I tell her. Let it go. Well, uh, yeah, so we had a little talk about that, and apparently now they might be coming to SeaWorld with us. So- it's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. So now uh, I need to let it go. Just let it go. So here's the deal. We need help. We've got the world's greatest coach, actually the entire universe's number one rated advice guru by the Matt Townsend Show. We have personally uh, um, logged all of the advice gurus in the country, and we came up with our number one. And her name? Kimberly Giles. She's the president and founder of Clarity Point Life Coaching. She's a popular life coach, author, speaker, named one of the top 20 advice gurus in the country by Good Morning America in 2010. And the kids love her. They can't get enough of her. She's all over the place. 240 published articles in newspapers and magazines. She never sleeps. Kimberly Giles, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Wow, that introduction gets better. You like that? Every week when I, I know. The show. I love ad-libbing the introduction because I can, tell you do. I can make it whatever I want to make it. And yeah. to me, you're very easy to make stuff up about. Well, thank you. I don't know if that's a, I don't, I don't know what that compliment. means. It is. It's a total compliment. Now, here's the deal. I don't know, Kim. You don't have kids, do you? Oh, I have a whole house full. I know you do. How many kids? Well, we live have in seven. your home. You have seven. Now break but, it down because yours, his, hers, yeah, ours, and the neighbors. That's right. So four were four are mine, okay. and three are his. So together we have seven. Seven beautiful children, gifts from heaven. Yep, but it's a circus. Sometimes. It's a circus. Have seven um, is a lot of kids. I, I, seven is a lot of kids, and there is a there is a statistic that says children decrease your marital satisfaction by twenty percent per child. Per child, <laughs> and I think that's I think that's underrepresenting the real impact. But they're Might be. again, they're gifts from heaven. So, how does a world class coach handle uh, seven children? Well, I'll tell you, I'm really lucky right now because my three older ones are ever all kind of out of the house. Okay, so yeah. So you're down to it's four. Really not a sound as yeah as hard as it sounds. Yeah, but um, you but you. But there's challenges. And they're teenagers. And we've met, I've met one of them. Is it Abby? Yeah. Yeah. You met Abby. Doll, beautiful. And she loves it when we talk about her. Yeah. 
Not really. <laughs> Last time she stayed out in the lobby, yeah. she did not want you to talk to her. I know. Well, I'm still talking about her. That's yeah, the impression she made. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to have my son marry her. We should line him up when oh. they get a little older. Yeah. Well, she's tall, yeah. though, too, so I'm not sure. Yeah, but we're going to line him up someday. Okay. And she's smart as a whip, I can tell, because she was smart enough to get out of my studio. She is, and she's a great kid, though. She's the most just loving, sweet teenager I've had. Is she really? I'm enjoying her. She really is. I've never had a teenager who comes in and says, Mom, did you eat lunch today? Do you need something? Can I bring you something? Wow. And I'm like, who are you? See, that's why I want. I know. That's why I want my son to marry her. She's a good girl. What do you do, though? Because so you had to have played a big part in that. Or some well, part in it. I mean, so some part in it. So yeah. teach us, because I th- I feel like a lot of times I'm making mistakes. So I'm about to travel um, for I don't know five days with my children. It's a trap. It's a trap. Five days in a car. No, I mean just you know twelve, fourteen hours to California, then all around California, then back. I have a feeling I'm going to make mistakes. So w- what should I be watching out for? What should I be teaching? What are my, what's my goal as a parent, not just in this car ride, but overall? Overall. How do well, I serve? I'll tell you. <laughs> I, I do get calls quite often from, from families that are having problems with their teens, and they want me to work with the teen. And, and what I usually recommend first is that I need to work with the parent. Yeah, exactly. Uh, have you found oh, that? Oh, all the time. I, yeah. And honestly, I, I don't even want to see the kid because usually I don't need to. No. If if we can fix some of the stuff that we do as parents, it's amazing yep. how much that'll fix the situation. Talk about that, though, because the parents are still coming in sure that the problem is their teenager. Yeah. And yet, not the case. So, I, I outlined a couple bad behaviors that we as parents um, model and a lot of the times, the problem we're having with our teens is that they're just doing the same things we do. Uh huh. And we don't like it when it comes back to us. Right. It's yeah, and then it's so repulsive. Where did you learn that? <laughs> you, mommy. And I admit, I can see a lot of my faults in my kids. Yeah, I know totally. Exactly where they got this stuff. Like, um, yeah. So Isn't that, that like too. weird? Don't you think that's kind of God's way of just laughing at you? Because when your child starts acting out your behavior. <laughs> Or when they, yeah. or when they sound then, like you, and they, they, they just sound, they just treated their son and said so, you're a brother the same way you treated them on something. Yeah, and have, have you noticed you get along the worst with the one that's the most like you? Yes, that I see it in every family. Oh, <laughs> so true, man. Okay, so yeah. what are the okay, things we so, need to avoid? Uh, let's are, just do one now, and then we'll get the rest after the break. Okay, bad behaviors. That you might be teaching your teen. And the first one is disrespect. I honestly, I believe most of the time if you are feeling disrespected, like your kid does not respect what you think and how you feel about things and and is disrespectful in the way they talk to you, um, you need to step back and look in the mirror and ask yourself, are you respectful of them? And I know a lot of parents are like, wait a minute, I'm the parent. It's not my job to be respectful. It's only their job to respect me. But respect is a two-way street. And the only way to get it is to give it. That's so true. You don't treat them with respect. And and what this looks like is not talking down to them like they're idiots. Yeah. 
And if, if you do it, I guarantee they're going to do it back to you. Um, it also means if you want them to care what you think and how you feel about things, you have to care what they think and right. how they feel. And I, I know you talked with your guest earlier a lot about listening to your kids, and I'm big on that. I think it, you need to make sure you're doing more asking questions and listening than you're doing talking. Yeah. Two ears, one mouth. Absolutely. Tw- twice as much. Yeah. And, and, you know, if your kid watches you doing a lot of yelling and berating and putting down and, and you know, ignoring people and, wh- and what they think, you're teaching them to behave that way. And they are going to treat you the same way for sure. Well, oh, that's just so true. And it's so scary because, you know, someday you'll be living with them. And as Sean pointed out, being diapered by them, maybe. <laughs> You might want to treat them with more respect. <laughs> the last thing you need your child to be doing when you're being diapered is being disrespectful. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm big on that fear is the bottom line problem. Yeah. Well, most of the time when we're being disrespectful to our kids, it's because they're scaring us. We're scared right. to death yeah. of failing as a parent and losing our children. And we're freaking out and behaving badly because we're so scared. And when you're scared, you're innately selfish, yeah. focused on yourself, and you're not showing up for them. And that behavior d- doesn't warrant respect. And fear, you know how animals can sense your fear? Well, oh, your yeah. kids can sense your fear, too. Yep. And if they can tell you're scared, they're, dis- they're losing respect for you just because they can tell you're scared. And especially if what your fear is based on is you looking bad as a parent. I mean, yeah. if, if my fear is that my child might die, they might respect that. But mm-hmm. if my fear is that I'm going to look so stupid in front of the neighbors because you did that, that, that they won't respect that. Yeah. I mean, why should they respect <laughs> you being afraid of looking stupid? Because of I- them. As parents, you you got to process this a little bit. I don't know if I told you, my, one of my children um, got a tattoo. Really? So and okay. I have to admit, my first my first fear that hit me is, oh my gosh, what's everybody going to think of me? Yeah, no, but that's real. It, it and it's genuine. Yeah, that's where, and, that's where you go. Uh, was it of you though? Did it say mom? <laughs> I might have forgiven <laughs> that. No, it's it's a very beautiful tattoo. But oh, but, I really, I had to process my stuff about it yeah. so that I can show up for my kid and handle it, this in a way that really serves them. And are they, shows an, them are they an adult? Them. Are they an adult? They are. I guess. So they didn't They're just do it in the backseat of some car? <laughs> they didn't do it in jail? Um, wow. Okay. That's huge. Because that's, that's, a, that's a real, that would rock my world. We're talking with Kim Giles. Uh, president and founder of Clarity Point Coaching. We're going to take a break right now. Come back. She's got more, you know, lessons that we may be inadvertently teaching our children, like just a simple one, like she just taught us about disrespect. I'm, we're going to come back. I, want, I have more questions about this tattoo thing. We've got to ask more with Kim Giles. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, we're talking about parenting your teens. Just some tools, some ideas to help you through, help you understand, you know, what you need to worry about, what you don't need to worry about. And so we have the galaxy's greatest 
coach, one of the great advice gurus of the galaxy, uh, Kim Giles is joining us from Clarity Point Coaching. Uh, ClarityPointCoaching.com. Go check out her website there. You'll also see when you get there that she's the author of an incredibly awesome book that I love and am reading. And it's it's a slow read because she makes you do work in the book, and you have to tie things down before she, you, you move on. The book is called Choosing Clarity, The Path to Fearlessness by Kimberly Giles. Go to her website, ClarityPointCoaching.com. Uh, totally worth getting the book. It's a simple system that makes you feel better about yourself and your life. Kim, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Hey, um, be here. you know, uh, your son got a tattoo. Oh, no! <laughs> Jar Jar, that scared Jar Jar. Um, so he comes in sporting this new tattoo. And again, some people are like, beautiful. It's a beautiful piece of work, a beautiful piece of art. Uh, some just it just scares, and your reaction was, "What are people going to think?" Yeah, I admit that was my first reaction was a fear of looking bad. But but you know that's you know, so honest. In our, in our community, yeah, they aren't looked upon real fondly. No, they're not. So yeah, that was my first reaction, and then I had to step back and go, you know what? What anybody thinks really doesn't matter. If we're the same people. That's right. And and what matters more is the kind of person that my kid is, yeah. and he's amazing. He's one of the most I, I can truly say he's a person I look up to. He's that he's just an amazing yeah. soul. So but see, he's the, got a tattoo. But I love what I love about it though is you had to process it, and I guess you could pretend like it didn't impact you like that, but it did, and that doesn't make you bad. It just makes you human. And he probably knew that, you know, he was probably terrified to show you. And then yeah, when you I saw think, it, it was this huge so. eagle on his back. <laughs> then that, you know. Yeah. Who doesn't love an that. eagle? Um, talk about, though, we make mistakes. And that wasn't, to me, that's not a mistake. That's just you being honest that we worry. We do worry about what other people think. Um, but one of the fears, it seems, or one of the things you just mentioned was disrespect. So a lot of times we are modeling disrespect for our children. Uh, well, what are some other errors we make just in some of our modeling, but we're not okay, quite I think modeling. One of the big ones is the way we react when we get mad or scared, um, angry about something. If our own reactions are incredibly immature ones, yeah, um, this is something our kids are going to learn. And and so we see a lot of parents that just in in anger and understand that most of our anger comes from fear. We're mad because we feel insulted or taken from or we're afraid we're going to look bad or, or lose our kid. And, and we blow up and, and behave really badly, say <laughs> things we're going to regret, yep. lose it Yeah. if we go drama queen yeah. about this kind of stuff. And, and usually that's something you might have learned even from your parents. Oh, yeah. It's been a family tradition. It's like, yeah, it's, like, it's something we just passed down. <laughs> Right. It's a big drama moment. But you know you've crossed the line when you're humiliated, like an hour later. Yeah. Or you, th- you realize you behaved really immaturely. Yeah. And a lot of times we do. Yeah. And um, you, can't, you can't talk your way out of that, can you? Well, you, some apologies probably need to happen. Yeah. And hopefully you're a big enough person that you can admit, you know, I handled that really bad and I'm embarrassed my behavior. Let me try <sighs> that again. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you 
think it's really healthy to apologize to your kids. Yes. I think it's, it goes a long way for them to see that you're learning and growing. And, and even publicly, don't you think? Like kind of publicly oh, yeah. in front of everyone so that they can see that there's an – that's something I never – I don't think I ever learned growing up was apology. My wife tells me that. Like, you don't seem to apologize. And I'm like, yeah, talk to my mom about that. <laughs> but it's not my fault. Um, but what it is is she learned to po- apologize because her parents would apologize publicly. And I, I never saw the apologies. It's just we would just recover. And we'd recover quickly and well, but it's just, but it's good to just say, I blew that. I'm sorry. Yeah. We've got to model mature behavior. We've got to show it if we expect our kids to behave that way back to us. You know, another really immature behavior I heard about recently, I had a teenager tell me when my parents get mad, they'll give me the silent treatment. Yeah. And they literally won't speak to me for a few days. And they'll walk around giving me this cold shoulder. And, Mm. you know, that is not mature behavior from adults. No. But it it does beat like throwing a tantrum. Yeah, it probably um, no, it doesn't. It's verbal just, abuse, maybe, yeah. but in a way, it's, it's dysfunctional, abuse. right? It's just dysfunctional the other way, right? It really is. Yeah. So you know, it, when you're bothered, you may need a little time. At, ask your kid. I'm, I need a little time to process this. I kind of had to do this with the tattoo. Yeah. Give me a minute here. Mom, Mama needs some time right now. <laughs> <laughs> I got to process out of my fear so that I can show up with love for you. So give me a minute, okay? If you need that to take a little time, that's fair. Yeah. But then at some point, you're going to need to be able to talk about this in a real valid, mutually validating way. And, and I'm a really big believer. Everybody needs to know how to have a mutually validating conversation yeah. with their spouse, with their kids, where everybody feels respected and honored and gets a chance to, to talk about how they feel and what they think and to have you honor and respect those feelings. And then you will have a chance to share yours, and you'll have a kid who's more open to hear about how you feel because you've given that to them too. Yeah, exactly. Well, see, and you, I, I, we've talked about this before. You have a, a place on your website where they can learn about those conversations. And, and also in the book. Yep. In the book, I teach exactly step-by-step step how to have a mutually validating conversation. So that would be a great where, place where, to go to learn. So that's on the book. Where, where is it on the website? There's a, you have a little handout for it. I do. On, there's a resources page on my website on claritypointcoaching.com. Yep. Go to the and resources page and look for And what's the name of the worksheet? Just uh, um, Validating communication formula. Man, look at you. You're like an encyclopedia. I know, and I do give a lot of stuff away for you do. free. That's what, you know, hey, it's bad I for won't. business, but good for the rest of us. <laughs> so take advantage of me and go get it. That's it. It'll help your family. What are, what's another that. point? What's another thing that we as parents seem to kind of, uh, I don't know, blow? Okay, I'll show you a bad one that I caught one of my kids doing recently, and the minute I saw it, I realized that they learned it from me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, they got in trouble. They had done something that wasn't very nice. Yeah. And I, I called them on the behavior, and they immediately played the self-pity card. So they said, but Mom, I'm just having such a bad time, and you don't understand how bad my life is right now. And so I should be excused from this because uh, I'm, I'm so suffering right now. Did you have chills run up your back? Like, ah. I thought, hmm. Sounded like me. 
interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I have caught myself doing that before, playing the self-pity card to get out of being responsible yep. for behaving badly. So you know, true. you guys just got to understand how stressed I am right now and all the stuff I have on me, and, and that excuses my bad behavior. You try writing a book. You try writing a book. <laughs> Giving all this stuff away for free. <laughs> No. You know what? Um, that, that that is a, that's a big one, and, and and it could be the self pity or the like, the martyr, whatever. No, what whatever. No, just walk all over me. You all, I mean, everyone does. Yeah, the sympathy card. Yeah, that's the other one we play. So we have got to model when you behave badly, you apologize for it. No excuses. You should have behaved better. Yeah. And we've got to model that kind of behavior if we expect our kids. Don't you, you find Don't you find Kim that being a guru um is is hard because then everyone like wants you to live your advice. Well, I try to make sure that they know that I'm not perfect. Well, yeah, sure. but you can try to make sure they know that. But have you ever had my wife did this cuz I teach this concept of ego versus essence. So anytime it's not my idea, but anytime you're coming at it from your ego, which is kind of your mind where you need to prove yourself and try to show you're worth it and valuable, that's the ego or the mind, or the essence is just your spiritual self that has no need to try to make yourself any better. Your higher self. Right, your, your higher self. Love and truth. Yeah, that's- and my wife always like, oh, that sounds like your ego coming out. Oh, she calls you on your own stuff. Yeah, and then I yeah, just go self-pity. Yeah, it's a bad, bad thing. Um, we've got time, I guess, for one more. What's one more thing that we as parents need to make sure we're teaching appropriately that we're not that we're not teaching our children? How about gossiping mm. and criticizing, judging other people? Yeah. If if you do it, your kids are going to pick it up, and eventually they're going to judge and criticize and talk about you. Yeah. I I think one of the most important things we have to teach our children is kindness. If we want to be treated with kindness, we got to teach it. We have to model it. We have to be the example. And boy, you got to watch. If if you talk about people behind their back, you're definitely teaching a a, a life skill to your kids that's going to come back and haunt you. It's, it's so true, and it's uh, you're you're constantly telling everybody how you're also going to deal with them. So if you're critical and gossiping of other people about other people, everyone in the room knows how you'll be with them if you're if they're on your bad side. Yeah, so you're creating real relationships of distrust yeah. all around. And they're like, "Oh, that's how low she goes." Wow. So we just need to give everybody the benefit of the doubt and remember that they have the same value you have and they're just signed up for a different class than the ones you got here in the journey of life. Yeah. And Speak no ill words of anybody. And hang on for the ride. Yeah. Hey, um, Be a good example for those kids. Those are great. Those are great points. I guess one more we could just throw in there very quickly is uh, when somebody, when the, don't tell your kids you're not there when you're there on the phone. So my kids will say, Dad, it's for you. And I'm like, I'm not here. Yeah, and, but then they say, hey, my dad says he's not here. Yeah, and then you're busted. <laughs> And then you got to go play the martyr, and then you got to yell at him, and then it's a whole night yeah, of just don't chaos. Do that. That's, that's definitely bad. That's bad. That's bad. Kim, you're the best. Hey, are you going to be able to stick around one more break? You know, I actually have a meeting I have to get back to today. Whatever. No, whatever. No, me. no, whatever, Kim. I mean, whatever. I still love you, though. I, I, we love you, too. No, you go um, tell Abby we're not talking about her, 
on the radio. But tell her my son is probably going to marry her. Okay. I'll let her know. Yeah. Thanks, She'll love to hear that. Kim, you're the best. Everybody go to her website, claritypointcoaching.com. Check out her new book, Choosing Clarity, The Path to Fearlessness. Kimberly Giles, the one of the top, the number one advice guru in the galaxy based on the Matt Townsend Show. Thanks, Matt. Well done, Kim. Uh, We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have a texting test. These new kids and their toys, their cell phones, and all their little devices to communicate. We're going to see if you have any clue what they're really saying in all those little text emoticon messages. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. There it is, everybody, the hoedown music. Yes, that means we're wrapping up the show. They're working it. You can hear them working that washboard. Ah, right there. You hear it? There's the juice harp. Anyway, it brings back some good memories. Some really good hoedowns as a child. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Today, we've been talking about teenagers raising your teenager in a healthy way. As I look at Maddie, who's kind of like the team teenager for the radio show. No, I am the team mother. You're like the teen mom. I'm sorry. Oh, no. There's no way I could think of you as the teen mother. I'm sorry. You felt like the mother in the first break because I turned to you as if you were, (laughs) as if we had raised these group of people. Well, I have definitely. But now you're just, but the show was for you. And I'm not. We, we were hoping that the intervention helped. Matt. But here's the deal. As we wrap up the show, by the way, tomorrow, let's just put another shout out. Huge show. The Duggars. The Duggars are in the house. Not really. They're online. They're on the phone with us. Mm-hmm. Incredibly great interview. Long interview. How long is the interview going to be? Uh, almost the whole first hour. Almost the entire first hour. Matt. Who are the Duggars? The Duggars are from a TLC show, cable television show, um, 19 Kids and Counting. I loved the show. I know you did. You were just weird (laughs) how you were so enamored. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. were like giddy. I've never seen you that happy. No, you right there. You did it. <laughs> yep. Yep. The seizure thing came back. So happy. So they're going to be on tomorrow. It's a great show. And that is... They're just incredible, and, and anyone that can raise 19 children, amazing, especially if you look at oh, the odds yeah. of every child decreases marital satisfaction 20%. That's right. Wow, that was a very... Thank you. So uh, Sean's been going to wrap up the show. He's got a really um, incredible test for us as a parent <laughs> and for the rest of you that aren't parents, but, um, you know. I'm going to do the best at this, I think. I think I have a, no doubt you will. Oh, I, this is no, a text. I will because test. I have the answer. Okay, right well, here. you can't play, Sean. That but the is, thing is, I, oh, Mike's still on the phone. Okay, yeah, yeah Mike's still, still here. here. Mm-hmm. I see you, Mike. How are you? Mm-hmm. I have figured out how to solve this problem, though, of, of learning how to text with your kids. How? I don't let them have a cell phone. Yeah. You know, that's the easiest part. You know, my kids are so into that stuff. So I, Not I, used, having to, a cell phone? I used to have an iPad. Yeah. And I have a son that's taken it over. You know, you are the parent. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about that. Uh-huh. And he now I receive text messages that he's sending. I receive from, I, I receive from your iPad uh-huh. to. Yeah. Okay, wait, but Sean, how old are your kids? Uh, my oldest is 15. 
See, I I had a cell phone when I was that age, but mm-hmm. she'll get to a point when she she realizes. And you had a cell phone when you were fifteen. Yeah, I didn't have texting until How I was like seven. How old were you when you first got though. it? I was, I think, fourteen when I got Holy it. Because, I didn't get one until well, I was sixteen. Wow. Well, see, I was doing after school stuff. Yeah. Every day. I and so my a, mom was like, I need you to be able to call me to let me I know. So was I, but my parents had an ankle bracelet on me <laughs> to track my location. So well, no, but that was court ordered. You can't yeah. blame that on your parents. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, but I did not have texting until I was in high school. Okay. I so. had a ham radio. <laughs> I could parent, pick up half the Your mom earth. just left I had, a, I had a rock and chisel. So <laughs> you, you had a rock and chisel. I had a walkie-talkie, and I had yeah. a CB handle. I remember the walkie-talkies. Yeah. That was fun. I was. Uh, I had a, a that, tin can and a string. That's what I had, yeah. I was <laughs> sleeping bandit. That's what they called me. <laughs> All right. No, I want to take this quiz now. Okay, we're taking okay. a quiz. I'm ready. All right, Matt. You ready? These are text, text messages. Yeah. Text so lingo. Like, we're going to start off easy. Okay, these are easy. L-O-L. Love over Louisiana. No. I know that one. That's laughing out loud. I knew that one. Very so good. We're just testing the bells. Okay. BRB. Mm-hmm. BRB. Big religious baby. Oh, come on. BRB. Big religious baby. No, you have to know what this is. BRB. Bring, Do you not know? Bring rock. You really don't know? Back. Bring rock back. Kate, can we not... Can we tell? That's not what it is. But can we not tell Matt and then no. say BRB all the time until he figures it out? Sure. Well, I'll look it up right here. <laughs> I can say it's not I'll that look hard it up to on look my up. Computer. It means uh, be right back. Oh. Okay. Yeah, that like, would make be right sense. Back, BRB. Right. Here yeah. you go. Next one. Yeah. N O O B, or it's pronounced noob. No, not on. This not one's actually not an acronym. Oh. Just what it means. Not an Noob. acronym. Newbie. Newbie. Yeah. Someone exactly. new. Exactly. They're new. A newbie. Very good. Yeah. That was newbie. It's a new yeah. person who doesn't know how to do something. How, you got to tell me if it's an acronym or not. Okay. Well, this one, I think the rest of them all are. Okay. I think that's the only one that wasn't. I think I'm really good at these. This is the one that uh, yeah, I think your parents, you, as parents, you want to watch out for. P-A-W. Paw. Paw. Well, that's your father. And your <laughs> ma would be your mother. P-A-W. Paw. Dog. <laughs> Okay, if your dog had a sliver in his foot, it would be his paw. Yes. P-A-W. Um, what does that one mean? Parents are watching. Or another common one is P-O-S, parent parents over shoulder. shoulder. No, mm-hmm. but yeah, P-O-S doesn't. <laughs> but, yeah. So it seems we were avoiding like, that one. It, you do that when you don't want but, your mom to well, see what you're talking about. Well, no, but if you write paw and ma knows about paw. <laughs> yeah, but most moms don't. You yeah. didn't. Most mm-hmm. parents. I'm not a mom. You didn't. I'm a dad. Yeah, you okay. still didn't know. Now, think about this one. Okay. I'll don't, think. Don't, I'm not, not going to blurt it out. Go for the obvious on this one. Okay. ATM. Money. What gives you the money? Machine. ATM machine. Very yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Bingo. Very good. That was easy. <laughs> I don't think I've ever it's also been. It's also been used as at the moment. Oh. Well, who would say that? I don't know. I mean, the, some, do kids really? Well, at use the these? moment, I'm yeah, here. Yeah, they do. Some, yeah, people do they really? really. People yeah. really use did this you know, stuff. Did you use AIM, Mike? Yeah, I did. The Instant Messenger. Yeah, the, those these acronyms were all over the AIM back mm-hmm. in well, my day. My mm-hmm. day too, AIM. But those were just all emoticons. I loved the AIM <laughs> because I had an emoticon that said Say AIM. I, I loved AIM because there was an emoticon that says, "You want some fries with that shake?" 
Jeez. All right. This is my favorite emoticon. <laughs> okay. It was a talking emoticon. Now, don't think the way you might think with this one. CYA. CYA. It's not the obvious. Kathy. <laughs> Crystal. Uh, yaps a lot. Oh. No. This so one, it means see ya. Oh, see ya. Geez. Yeah. That's it. Bye. See ya. Why? Oh, jeez. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. See, I'm so backwards. <clears throat> How am I ever? And I'm 45. You're never going to learn. Mm-mm. But I don't want to learn that. Just talk. Use don't the word. Don't you want to connect exactly. with children? I end up, I end up I don't dictating. Use, I don't use these when, I, when I'm texting. No, I dictate. I might, I use, dictate. A U, I might use a U for you or, or a two for yeah. you. Know, I'll but that's well, it. the thing that's interesting, though, with smartphones, people aren't using these yeah. as that, much right. because right. you have a keyboard. Well, you're yep. smarter, too. So the younger kids who might not have a smartphone yet, like junior high or high school kids, mm-hmm. are using these. But other people are spelling everything out. It's like uh, weird when your mom uses, are you coming? Yeah. Instead of saying, are you coming? You know, so. if, yeah. If my mom used any of this, I'd die. <laughs> All right. IDC. I don't care. Very uh, good. Bingo. Woo-hoo. I feel like you've used that before. I just your know, kids have I, said that. IDK. I know IDK. I they know. say to use that one with caution. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's kind of no, rude. Yeah, it's Is really it? rude. I don't Little care. Negative. Okay. I like to capitalize it and put it in quotes. Here you go. <laughs> T-T-Y-L. Oh, this yeah. T-T-Y-L. Ta-ta, you loser. <laughs> Close. What I is, like that one better. T-T, what is... It's talk to you later. Oh, yeah. no. Talk to you later. Not even close. See ya. I thought I was close on that. See ya, now, T-T-Y-L. Now, you had I-D-C. IDC. Yeah. How about IDK? IDK, I don't know. Very IDK. good. Do you That's remember that commercial, IDK, my BFF, Jill? Mm-hmm. Good yeah, one. I don't watch TV like that. <laughs> okay, here we go. U-G-T-B-K. U-G-T-B-K. Mm-hmm. I don't know this one. You go to oh, buy... Oh, I know what it is. Can I guess? K... Can I, can I guess? Krispy yeah, yeah. Kreme. Yeah. No. Krispy <laughs> Kreme. No, it's You Gotta Be Kidding. That's right. You Gotta Be Kidding Me. <laughs> U-G... You one got Maddie. to be... Ki- I've oh, man. all of oh, no. Just that one. I'm <laughs> I just get one little yeah, thing, that. though. Well, I would just write, seriously? 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you know how to spell seriously in text? No, I just... S-R-S-L-Y. I dictate. Seriously. Yeah. Wombat. W-O-M-B-A-T. No, that's an animal. <laughs> a wombat is a type of animal. Wombat. Is that a, is that a word? Mm-hmm. Is this it's, an acronym? It's an acronym. It's an acronym. Watch out, mom, beat another... <laughs> tiger? Tiger. <laughs> oh. It so wasn't close. tiger. It was something else. Do you know, Maddie? Watch I don't out, want to guess mom, beat stupid. another. So, <laughs> we'll let Matt do that, I it's guess. It's better to be silent and let people think Mike? stupid. Mike, oh, uh, you know, rude. I think I've used this before, but it's been so long, I can't remember what it is. Actually, I think you might like this one. What is it? Waste of money, brains, and time. Yeah, yeah. Wombat. I'm writing that one down. <laughs> Wombat. <laughs> yep. Ooh, that's a great, that's a good song right there. <laughs> Wombat. Sounds Waste like a of money, brains, and time. <laughs> That's you know. Let's end the show on that one. <laughs> I'm going to go use that one. Sounds right like now. a good idea. Well done. Great show, you guys. Appreciate it. Seriously, well done. And we hope we reached you, Maddie, our little okay. teenager. We're gonna we're out of here tomorrow. The Duggars, 19 kids and counting. Big interview tomorrow. One hour with them. Here's the quote: Don't confuse your path with your destination. 
Just because it's stormy now doesn't mean that you aren't headed for sunshine. That's the same with your kids. Just because you're having trouble with them now doesn't mean they're going to always be trouble. Thanks for joining us again. Keep looking for the good in life, folks. This is BYU Radio. We'll be back tomorrow with the Duggars.